There have been 27 deaths in private pools and spas since 2000, with at least 20 of those deaths from pools that didn't have required safety barriers. 12 of them were children who did not reside at the property, and at least one, the child was not known to the owners. New pool and spa regulations have hit Victoria and come into effect on June 1, 2020. There are a few things we need to do before this deadline and we have Chris Samatsis from the Swimming Pool and Spa Association of Victoria, or Spa Savic, here today to tell us what we need to do. Welcome to Real Estate Right, where we talk to top experts on how to buy, sell, rent and invest right. Your hosts are Grant Kennedy and Sue Langada. Chris Samatsis is the CEO of Sparsavik, the Swimming Pool and Spa Association of Victoria, the peak body representing pool and spa builders, retailers, suppliers, and any business associated with the pool and spa industry. Welcome, Welcome Chris. Chris. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for having me, uh, Sue and Grant. Great to be here and hopefully share some knowledge and um, so your listeners can get a better understanding of uh, what's going on. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot. Um, so, Chris, what's uh, your interest in pools and spas? How did you eventually become the uh, CEO of yeah. Um, so I've had an interesting uh, career. So I've uh, started in small business uh, way back and uh, for about 20 years owned and operated several news agencies. Oh, yeah. Um, then decided to uh, get out of that, go and do an MBA and uh, enter the professional world and the yeah. corporate world as I uh, had a love of learning. And from there, uh, took on the challenge of being the general manager um, slash CEO of the Victorian News Agents Association, which was uh, is a 140-year-old organisation. Wow. So uh, well embedded into the industry, founded in 1879. So that sort of uh, nicely um, allowed me to then use utilise some of those skills that, uh, and learnings that we picked up through the MBA course. Yeah. Uh, did that for a few years and uh, then saw other challenges yes. and um, upcome this role and I was lucky enough to uh, to get it and here I am. Okay. Yeah, great. Chris, what's the purpose of, of spas of Victorians? Um, so that's a good question. So normally I get asked is um, what the spas do for their members. So we're yes. essentially a member-based organisation, but okay. um, we do do a lot for Victorians. So um, we've got a, a, a deep connection with the community through our consumer shows. Outside of advocating on behalf of our members uh, to government, to other statutory bodies and collaborating with organisations like Kids Save Victoria, Life Saving Victoria, um, the Municipal Surveyors of Victoria, etc. We've got a, a massive strategic, well, I wouldn't even call it strategic, but a focus on educating the community and our members to do the right thing by the community. So therefore engender trust and integrity within the industry and make our members more professional and thereby grow the industry through that connection with the consumer to have confidence to invest in their backyards and you know get pools and spas into the um, into their homes. All our pool builders go through a uh, required period of training. Uh, we They go through, for example, if you're a pool builder and you want to come in and join our organisation, you, you have to go and build 10 pools. We then go to those consumers, get references back. Okay. We then uh, gazette their name throughout the wider industry to see if they've um, been good people and don't have any sort of gremlins lurking in their closets. Mm-hmm. And from there, we, uh, we then interview them and then we make sure that they've got the relevant insurances and registrations in place and from there um, we more or less approve them as long as everything's in place and everything ticks off. So we make them jump through some hoops. It's not just a matter of uh, paying you $50 and you're a member. So uh, we make it difficult for them to come into the organisation. So once they get that brand on their forehead, then the community knows um, that they can trust them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's good to know that they they go through, you know, as you said, hoops and quite a rigmarole. To yeah, name. absolutely. And so, and so, to broadly answer that question for Victorians, we we basically um, 
try and give Victorians confidence in the industry yes. yeah. that they can go and spend their 50000 or 30000 or 100000 whatever it may be, using the Sparse of Vic member. Yeah. So, now, to the, the grind of it all, what mm-hmm. are the new pool and spa regulations that will hit our homes <coughs> on June 1? Yep. So, Sue, if I can start, initially you did mention there's, there was 27 deaths. So, if I yes. can just sort of start with um, perhaps a, a slightly deeper analysis of those statistics. Okay. So, what we've, out of those 27 deaths from the year 2000, 2000 to 2019 um, uh, to children from zero to four. Okay. 11 of those deaths were contributed to a faulty gate. Yes. And nine were contributed to a non-compliant barrier. Mm-hmm. Okay. In 100% of those cases, the coroner deemed that supervision was a massive issue. Yes. So from that, then, there's been... Uh, this particular mandatory barrier inspection regime operates in other states, yes. in WA, New South Wales and Queensland. But it's especially in WA, uh, in WA, when they did introduce it, they noticed a marked decrease in deaths in children from zero to four. So um, it's a welcome thing that's come into Victoria. I know there's been a, a little bit of uh, confusion out there and a bit of angst, but let's not forget that uh, uh, there's always been barriers around pools and spas. Mm. You have to have them. It's not as if um, all of a sudden this is, uh, I, I need to install a barrier. You've always had to install yes. a barrier. So all that's been introduced um, in, a, in its simplest form is mandatory barrier inspections. Yeah, fair enough. So it's, yeah, it's not now, as scary as what it not sounds. Not as scary as what it sounds. And, and, and a lot of the questions, um, I suppose, a lot of the uh, issues um, out in the community or the fear factor is, is that my pool was built in 1985. Yeah. Do I have to comply with the 2012 standard, which yeah. is the Australian standard? And there's four standards, which we'll go through a little bit later. Yeah. Um, the answer to that is no. Um, they, they will only be assessed against the standard at the time of when their pool was constructed. Okay. Very important point to put across to your listeners. Yeah. And the wider Victorian community must understand that. So there is a baseline standard called the 1994 Australian yes. Standard where everything um, sort of comes to this. So if your pool was built in 1985, you would be then assessed against the 1994 standard. Okay. If your pool was built in 2009, you'd be assessed against the 2007 standard. Yeah. So there's four. There's currently four Australian standards to do with barriers. One is uh, 1994, 2007, 2010, and 2012. There is a draft standard uh, currently in uh, uh, in work or in um, consultation, which is be the 2019 standard, which may not um, hit our doors until perhaps 20. 21. So if I continue on a little yes. bit more, it's a very sort of, uh, it's a heavy, it's a, um, heavy, it's topic. a heavy topic. So um, in answer uh, to just follow on from that, so these mandatory barrier inspections, they'll be every four years. So, um, and, and, and from that, um, if your pool uh, was built, say, in 2009, you won't have to, uh, you won't have to have your Certificate of Compliance and your pool inspector tool 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, those built after 2010 have till June 2023 to get a Certificate of Compliance and get their pool inspected. That's not to confuse people with registering their pool with their local council. Okay. Everyone needs to register their pool or spa by June 2020 this year um, and there'll be little costs associated with that which I think we may sort of delve into a little bit later on. Yeah, it's very involved isn't it but Mm. yeah, you just got to really understand what your specific circumstances are and rather than worrying about the whole yeah. gamut of, of... Yeah, so so if I, give, if I can give an example of my... I've got a pool at home. So it was yes. built in 2009. I'll be assessed against the 2007 standards. So yeah. I went uh, onto one of the council's websites, which pertains to me the other day, to register my pool, mm-hmm. um, and was a drop-down list, and it said, right, um, can you upload your building permit for when you built the pool or can you upload um, a planning permit now at the time I didn't have it on me so I'm going to have to go back home and search through my documents Um, and then it pushes you through so it's uh, $31.24 to register it's a one-off lifetime registration yeah now if I don't have those permits then I've got to pay an extra $47.80 two cents or whatever it is 
I think it's 4782, um, for an information search fee, which the council may charge. So in this particular case, um, if I did have my permit, I could upload it onto the council website and then I would go through and get charged the $31.24. If I can't find my permit, then the council has to go searching for it. Then they will charge you the other 47, which is a total fee of $79. um, And it's a one-off lifetime registration. Unlike a dog or cat, you do not have to register your pool every year. So it's just a one-off. Yeah. So how does that affect those looking to put in a new pool or spa? Well, it's it's mandatory to have a compliant barrier, so yeah. nothing changes yeah. um, other than having barrier inspections every four years. So um, if you were looking to put a new pool or spa in two years ago, same thing, you need a barrier. It's yeah. not as if you don't need a barrier. So, uh, and you'd get, that, uh, you'd get a building surveyor at the time or a building inspector, and then they would... Um, they would sign off on it once the pool was complete and the fence was around it before you could fill it with water. Mm-hmm. And then they'd give issue you a certificate of compliance that you'd lodge out with council and um, away you go. Fair. So would there be, for instance, a new trade of people coming out to be building uh, pool inspectors? Or Yep, very good question, Sue. Yeah. So um, what's occurred is that the legislation, which was passed last November, um, and it had broad support from both Labor and Liberals, so that was... Um, um, bipartisan support, which was good, so they saw the um, necessity of it yes. and the importance of it. Currently, there exists two classes of inspectors, so there's a building inspector and a building surveyor. Yeah. Now, both of those two can do inspections. Um, what the legislation has now created, a third class of inspector called a pool safety inspector. The pool safety inspector can, will only be allowed to inspect barriers. Even though they've got the word safety in there, they won't be allowed to go and look at pumps and um, suction, mm. um, suction with, floaties, with the pools, so. yeah, yeah. floaties and all the rest of it. It'll be purely around barriers. Okay. And um, so that'll uh, come online. We're currently working with the Victorian Building Authority on formulating um, a course yes. with them, amongst with other organisations as a contributor and yeah. collaborator. We'll also uh, be aiming to uh, be one of the RTOs to help deliver that course. Um, now, initially, it'll be a non-accredited course developed by the VBA as an interim measure until they develop a full Cert for course over the coming 12 to 18 months. It takes time yeah. to uh, get this through the uh, Skills Quality Authority organisations, yes. whether they're Victorian or Australian. Um, and so, therefore, um, that, that'll, the, the non-accredited one will come online. Uh, people will come and do that course. Probably at this stage we haven't or it hasn't been determined the cost or the, how long it'll be, but we're, we're thinking somewhere around three to five days. Yeah. Um, and then from there, uh, those, people, those people will be trained. They'll come through. They'll get experience on, on the job training. From there, those freshly minted pool safety inspectors will then start to go out into... Um, the backyards of people mm-hmm. and we'll start with the older pools first so those pools that were uh, that come under the 1994 standard yes. they've got till June 2021 to get their uh, to get one of these pool safety inspectors or a building inspector or a building surveyor yeah. to come and inspect their barrier yeah mm. Okay. So, yeah, so there'll be, you know, new, so, job, new jobs out there. So, yeah, 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 we've already got uh, well over 100 on our list. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, people are keen. They, um, look, there'll be a market for it. I think we think yeah. it'll sort of level off at some point. Oh, well. Market forces will determine. But it has to be done every four years. Uh, every four years. So, um, so yep. And it'll be, be continuous. It'll be continuous. So, yeah. but look, in a lot of cases, for example, you know, I was, obviously I've got a barrier around my pool and I've been mm-hmm. looking at it ever since. And uh, is that right? Is this right? And uh, would you, that pop plan too close to the fence. I better just pull that away yeah. to be safe so the children can't climb over the top of them. Mm. Um, nothing beats supervision, so I need to stress that. Yeah. Kids uh, kids always find a way to, yeah. to get, yeah. get what they want. Oh, they do. Um, very clever. And um, so, you know, they could pull a chair from outside without you knowing and um, and you think, how does a four-year-old do that? But mm. they're smart, they're not silly. Oh. So it's really important, one, to 
get your kids into a swim school early in life yeah. and two, always supervise them around water yeah. and whether it's a, your backyard swimming pool, whether it's the beach or the creek or the river or wherever it may be. So, yeah. um, Like I know I've been to parties with, with my kids and like it's not my pool but I've been the only adult supervising 15 kids in a pool and you just think, yeah. why, would, why would they do that? Like they should... There should be designated two or three at least with 10, 15 kids in a pool. Yeah, whilst our kids were growing up, they would, you know, they'd have um, friend days over uh, in the backyard, and uh, me and my wife would sit up, sit there on the chair under the shade, and uh, you wouldn't leave them. That that was it, you know, you'd read a book or um, you'd, um, I don't know, listen to the radio or do whatever um, to make sure that they were uh, totally supervised. But I mean, like, Look, it's look like anything responsible these yeah. days. Look, it's obviously hard to control everybody 100% of the time. Yeah. But so, you know, all this is aimed at is taking some of the human element yeah. away from these unfortunate incidents that yeah. occur. And one of the stats that sort of never comes out is that the amount of kids that are, um, get damaged that survive... That survive, yeah. ...survive um, and, you know, I mean... Uh, and I don't know what the stats are, but um, you know there'd be sure there'd, there'd, there'd be quite a, be quite a few that um, you know either fully recover or um, some have continuing uh, issues. So yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, look, it's an important piece of legislation. It's just an extra step, yes. and um, it, it's it's given focus uh, to the backyard pool and the mm-hmm. barrier. Um, in a lot of cases, just a little bit of wear and tear that uh, we never check those latches. So. Yeah. Um, if a latch gets a little bit loose, I mean, you can go to Bunnings and pick up something. That's happened to me a couple of years ago. I had to yeah. go and buy a little uh, magnet thing that sort yeah. of closes it, that closes Probably. the gate. Mm. Yeah. $20 and yeah. installed it myself. So it was not, wasn't that difficult, mm. but um, just need to be weary of yeah. all that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. do you need to put a barrier up when actually building the new pool or spa? Yep, absolutely. So um, yeah. the builder would put up a temporary fence yeah. around the construction site uh, yeah. during the build process. Yeah. Uh, once it's finished, the permanent barrier that complies with uh, the Australian standards 1926.1, the 2012 standard currently, um, would have to be installed. That happens now, so it's nothing new, as I mentioned earlier. Um, and then the pool can be signed off by the relevant building surveyor yes. um, and then ultimately fill with water and you're away swimming. And yeah, beautiful. Away you go. There you go. Uh, we've got a listener question here. Uh, Clinton from Chelsea wants to know if he has to put a, up a fence when he puts a blow-up pool into his backyard. He, you yeah. know, he brings it out each summer. Yeah. What, what's the story around so, that? So re- uh, relocatable um, temporary pools that you may buy at, um, I don't know, Clark Rubber or yep. Big W or whatever, if you put them up for the weekend for three days, for example, then you're fine. Once it goes beyond three days, you will then need to register that and put a barrier around it. Okay. Okay. So, so you really should be using it for a weekend, then taking it down. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Especially the, you know those um, yeah like I said a blow up or pump up pool or mm-hmm. say a, you know a mini structure. Now some of those little inflatable ones that are the size of a little coffee table, um, they they don't require a barrier because they're. Uh, deemed not to have any um, components needed to construct them. Okay. So there's there's a slight difference there between a, um, a decent something that you may blow up with a pump or construct size or put a little ladder on it, etc., yep. which may be, say, you know, the size yep. of a, a dining table or a little bit bigger. Um, and then there's the little inflatable little dragon with a head with a little... Yeah. 20 centimetres or 30, if it's got 30 centimetres of water, then yeah. yeah. So they don't need to have a barrier around them. So, um, it so it's not, ne- ponds. not necessarily on the depth of water. Oh, no, the depth of water is important. It yeah, is, yeah, okay. yeah. Anything that holds 30 centimetres of water, so um, it. Yeah. it comes under this uh, legislation. Okay. Yeah. So if you want to leave your bunning shell pull out for your dog... Which might. Yeah. Um, um, so is, is, that, is that a... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Like, well, you're, leaving, you know, you're leaving out the water so your dog can stay cool on those really hot days. Yeah, so yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, one of the ruling, and I suppose it's a bit like a pond. You know, yeah. People, I keep getting the question, um, whether it's on Talkback Radio yeah. or, um, you know, what about all the ponds and uh, dams out there? Well, they're not designated um, recreational swimming spaces. zones or spaces, so they're not... Uh, you know, they're generally not attracted to kids. They won't need a barrier. Yeah. And same with 
the dog shell. The dog shell. Yeah, it, it's it's for the dog. It's for the dog. I mean, I've got a you know a little bucket where I need to fill up with water, and the dog goes and yeah. uh, drinks his water out of. That's fine. A lot of ponds have a grate of mesh wire, don't they, over over the top of? Yeah, the some, do. Yeah, seen, some I've, do. I've yeah. seen some like that. that yeah. That's not like a. That's a rule. That's that that's for no. um, birds not eating their fish. Oh right, <laughs> birds not eating their fish. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. That's what I, that's what they do. Fair enough. What are some of the key dates that pool and spa owners need to be aware of to be compliant with any regulations? Right. So we've spoken about June 2020. So um, everybody out there, jump onto your council's website. They would have had their websites built by now and ready to go. Register your pool or spa. And don't, let's not forget all those spa owners out there that have bought a spa through retail stores. Yeah. Um, they need a barrier. They need to be registered. So make sure you uh, register those things. Now, if your pool was built pre 1994 you've got till June 2021 to get your pool inspected and get issued a certificate of compliance which then you will send back to the council and I'm sure there'll be a, a section on the website we will just upload that scan it and upload it pools built between 1994 and 2010 you've got till June 2022 so it's two and a bit years from now to get a certificate of compliance post 2010 till December 2019 um, you've got till June 2023 for a certificate of compliance and to get your pool inspected. So three and a half years for those that have been built from 2010 onwards. So there's plenty of time and the, and, the, and the government saw that there was a need for that. So they've staggered out the process so um, there's not this massive rush yeah. of hundreds of thousands. We, we think there's roughly 300,000 pools yeah. and spas out there in the Victorian market. So yeah, it's a lot yeah. and it's a lot. So yeah. uh, it's a lot for everyone to sort of... Um, get inspected but so we've given them ample time to to make sure that there's um yeah. time for inspection definitely mm-hmm. uh, the big question is how much is this all going to cost so we so we know the hard costs so we know yes. that um, there's all and I'll, I'll say it again so it's a once off lifetime registration so don't get scared yeah. you only have to do it once for the life of the pool that's 31 dollars and 84 cents now some councils may probably some will charge an information search fee of $47.24. That's it. Every four years, you'll have your pool inspected. We believe those rates that those pool safety inspectors will charge will be linked to the market. So um, if there's two or 300 of those running around and somebody wants to drop their rates to get greater business, that may happen, or um, it'll be a supply and demand yes. thing. We believe anywhere from two to three hundred dollars to okay. get to get one of those blokes to come in or women to come in to look at your pool. They've got a lot of responsibilities, so they've got their own insurances to pay, yeah. professional indemnity insurances. Mm-hmm. They need to pay for their training. Um, there'll be a whole range of costs associated yeah. with them. It's not a light touch role where um, you just oh yes I'll take this role on and I'll do 50 pulls a day no that's not going to happen it's going to be a robust process so that uh, it meets the responsibility of the role and what's at stake so for instance if they find something that's wrong with a barrier they will be have to go back again to make sure well the ones that can will be given some opportunity to fix little things so for example it may be a spring on a latch Mm-hmm. And it may be just as simple as taking the old one out and putting the new one in. Mm. So they, they will be uh, able to do some really minor repairs. But if you've got 50 panels missing yeah. and it needs you need um, you know concrete hole, holes bored into your um, pavers to yeah. put in the little sprigates that hold up a fence or whatever, oh, well, that's a major job. They won't be able to do that. Um, and, of course, you can't have fencing people then all of a sudden being your inspector. All of a sudden you've yeah. got a conflict of interest there. Yes. At the moment, if you've had a pool installed and you've got your certificate of compliance, a surveyor has come out, signed you off, mm-hmm. so your, your pool is compliant to the standard yeah. relevant at the time. You shouldn't have any issues if you've maintained that barrier in its original thing. But if you've taken away the gate, you've um, taken away the latches, you've yeah. taken away four panels. You've put a garden around or your trees the trees, grown, trees up. grown up with massive branches where kids can climb up yeah. right next to the pool. Yeah. So you haven't maintained a compliant barrier because there's yes. all these non-climbable zones um, pertaining to the barrier and around the barrier. We believe in most cases if people have maintained their pool, uh, their barriers to the standard of when it was built, when it was signed off on, 
there shouldn't be that much repair work done. The other theory behind this is that it's not a cost that's all of a sudden been put onto the consumers. It's already a sunk cost. You, you've built your pool, you've built the barrier, you know, the barrier should be operational. It's a, it's a cost that it's already happened way back when your pool was constructed. Yeah. You sh- it's not something that all of a sudden, oh, I've got to put a new gate on it because my gate's been taken away. Yeah. The gate should never have been taken away in the first yeah. place. As far as money goes, you know, two to 300 bucks to have your pool inspected. Yes, you know, if there's any minor issues that the inspector that can come along and, you know, do little repairs, uh, they'll be given um, approval to do that. Yeah. And um, the consumer, look, can confidently be happy that he's got a certificate of compliance and gets signed off and away he goes. Yeah. Or the consumer can fix the gate himself. Yeah. Will it affect our rates in future years knowing that our pool is registered with the council? I want to say something funny right now and say, <laughs> yep, everyone's rates are going to go up. No, look, it's um, think about it like as it is now. I mean, councils already know that you've got a pool in your backyard because they issued you a permit to build the pool. Yes. So your rates are what they are. So there's absolutely no reason why council all of a sudden should put rates up um, because you've got a pool in the yard. I've had a pool in the yard now for uh, the you know, best part of 10 years. Um, I'm paying my rates. I've got the permit from the council so they know that there's a pool in there when it was built. What's changed? Nothing's changed. Yeah. I don't know what councils will do and, and, and that's where the citizens um, and the ratepayers have to hold them to certain set of standards. But uh, there should be absolutely no reason why councils would put up rates. Yeah. In our I think that's good, good to know. Yeah. Yes. Makes okay. sense and I, yeah, yeah. I think it'd be And that, I think that's where a lot of people have been confused. They're just really concerned that this is just another grab for money for, from the council and, no. and the reality yeah. is it's not. No, no, yeah. it's, it's not. That, that, that yeah. $31.84 and the $47.20. Remember the council, council's um, lobbied for a lot more than that. It's cost them, it's going to cost them a sizable amount of money um, to ensure that their surveyors... Mm and their processes in the back end um, are up to scratch to cope with um, this new registration regime because uh, they're the ones that will control it. Um, you know, we were hoping there may be a central database type system where every council can tap into, and um, but I think all councils use different type of systems. Yeah. And, um, yep. Be nice if we had one big brother. <laughs> yeah. But that may cause other issues. But, yes, it yeah. would. So, what is considered a proper barrier? We're talking. <coughs> Yep. Walls, pool covers, mm-hmm. temporary barriers, doors, windows. What is a proper barrier? Great, great question. Great question. I got this question from Neil Mitchell, and uh, did you? <laughs> and, uh, and I went off on a tangent on something else. But uh, <laughs> look, it's a in its simplest form, in its basic form, a, compl- a compliant barrier must be twelve hundred in height, with a lockable self-closing gate. Mm-hmm. Um, it can't be used as a climbing device for young children to access the pool area. In other words, it can't be you no know, handholds or little sort of um, protrusions that come out of the barrier so that kids can get a foothold yeah. or a handhold to help them you know, climb over that fence. Um, no surfaces to the fence can be used as, climb, as a climbing platform, which is part of that non-climbable zone. Yes. No children cannot climb, uh, young children cannot climb under the fence to access the pool uh, area, so that has to be no more than 100 mil off the ground if it's going to be off the ground. Yeah. And there's a range of these non-climbable zones, one, two, three, four, and five, and I can't go into them here because you need diagrams and it's quite detailed. Yes. Um, so, for example, if you've got a tree that's... Uh, um, it was a little tiny shrub when you first planted it mm-hmm. 10 years ago, now it's a big tree. It's got these branches sticking out that sort of touch the barrier or go within um, 900 of the barrier. All of a sudden, a little kid can get a foothold and climb onto those branches and make their way over the top. Um, so, you know, um, as far as uh, pool covers go, no, they're not considered a barrier, nor are temporary barriers considered a permanent barrier. So temporary mm-hmm. barriers, fences, for example, uh, during construction, um, they're fine during the construction phase, but they need to be turfed out uh, and a permanent barrier needs to be stall- installed at that time. Mm-hmm. Doors and windows, um, under the current standard, um, doors and windows are not considered a barrier as such only if they're opening. Or, you know, they, they if they're self-closing? Um, no, that's, uh, that, that would have come under an older standard. Yes, the older right? standard. The older standard, so yeah, from 2007 backwards. So... Basically, um, you know, you need to have that fence that goes, around, if not totally around a pool, you can have a boundary fence as a barrier. Yes. So that's okay. 
um, and that needs to be at least 1,800 high, the boundary fence, which most are. Again, there is non-climbable zones around that. So um, so with a boundary fence, mm -hmm. usually they're paling fences. Mm -hmm. the, on the outside? The outside have, has you can, to be on your side. Like the, the climbing side has well, to be your side, not yeah, the other side. That's, yeah, and if, you put on the, if it's on the other side, then uh, you can put a shamber over it, like an angled thing, yes. to make sure that... Uh, People, kids can't get a foothold onto it. Yeah. And that, all, all this is up for review, by the way, as far as boundary fences go okay. in the 2019 standard. But common sense has to prevail somewhere mm. with uh, with a lot of these barriers because yeah. people do use boundary fences as their barriers. So, um, yeah. One thing that comes to mind is mm -hmm. you might have a fence that both ends joins to a house and then yes. the brick wall of with the house, house is one of that barrier. Yeah. And you've got windows and potentially doors. But those windows... Mm. No doors or windows can open out onto, onto the, the pool. pool. That's the rule. Yeah, yeah. It has to be closed. Yeah, they, yeah. If you've, yeah, you know, if you've got, um, you know, like if you've got a, a door that from the kitchen that just opens out onto the pool, no, you need a barrier in front of that. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yep, yep. Yeah. So yeah. whether it's a fence that runs along the, the house or, yeah, whatever it may be, or replace just, the yeah, door. Yeah, it, it's hard without actually seeing because yeah. every house's backyard's different. There's always different situations. And, th and this is where uh, the pool builder, who's trained up, will guide you along with the surveyor. I mean, at planning stage, when you go and if it's a new home, you'll uh, you'll get, obviously, the architect will um, do the fence to the 1926-2012 standard. The relevant building survivor will also look at that. Mm -hmm. They will guide new pool and home owners yeah. um, in that space, along with the pool builder, who obviously sees this every day. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the people that actually do the fences. They, too, also have a good idea of yeah. what constitutes a compliant barrier. Yeah. So we know that you know you need one if you can't just open your door out from the kitchen yeah. onto the pool area. You need a barrier in front of that. Yeah. yeah. Sarah from Hastings wants to know why aren't barriers required for other types of water areas uh, like ponds, fountains, dams, mm -hmm. and also public waterways. We haven't really touched on the public waterways yeah. as much. Mm -hmm. Especially in some of the newer states, Patterson Lakes, particularly around this area, yeah, that even kind of thing. Waterways or yeah, um, even Clyde has a few yeah. water things. Aren't they just as problematic? Um, for drownings. Well, they probably are, you know, and I suppose a lot of adults tend to drown in a lot of the waterways, yeah. um, and then they get caught in a rip, and the legislation is aimed at children. Yeah. To start with, um, not that it's. I mean, you know, it can also be aimed at an adult that can't swim, but yeah. you know, primarily that's it's sort of emanated from that, and it gets back to the fact that those ponds, those rivers, unlike a swimming pool, is not a designated recreational backyard pool mm. where kids are drawn to. Now, having mm. said that, probably we can think of many situations um, where kids are drawn to a river, yeah. um, but you would think a, a four-year-old wouldn't be near a river without mum and dad there. Yeah. Um, so <coughs> that's that's the answer that in short. Um, there's no other way. I mean, obviously you can't put a fence around the beach. No. Um, you can't put a fence around the river. How long is a river? And, and again, it gets back to stats. You know, a lot of the stats, again, from not, not to four, a lot of these incidents happen in a backyard pool. Yeah. yeah. So that's where the focus is. And yeah. um, and we're supportive of that. You know, people think, oh, but the industry, you know, may... Uh, no, look, you know, we, we think that if the community's got confidence in the safety component of backyard pools or spas, mm. then from that greater confidence will will come and therefore it's even more desirable and safe to have a body of water in your backyard where you can have a barbecue with and let yeah. the kids uh, jump in and play. Yeah. So... You know, we, behind it all. We, yeah, we look, we take the yeah, positive approach yeah. and, um, and we can all think of situations yeah. where, I mean, you know, where rivers and... Um, Lakes and we just what did you say waterways yeah, through waterways. here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it yeah. comes down to the amount of alertness in the supervision, yeah, in, in you, and accessibility as well. Yeah, right? like, yeah. 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 and a, a massive education component. Oh. So, like you know, a lot of people that come from overseas come from landlocked countries, mm. don't know how to swim. They come to our beaches, they go down to Gunnamatta and say, isn't this nice? Yeah, out they go. They don't come back. Yeah. yeah. So there's you know there's an education component that uh, they need to be, and I'm sure there is literature there as when they, they get handed out, but you know, there's an education component of teaching not only 
kids and mums and dads, but also adults. Oh, yeah. um, others that, hey, listen, um, don't swim in areas where you're not familiar with. Yeah. Or if you can't oh. swim, don't make jump in there. <laughs> well, or make sure that you're in a life saving zone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. within the flag. So, okay, so what happens if we decide to fill in our pool or sell our spa? When do we need to tell the council that the or spa is no longer at the property. That's it. But once, so once um, you've decided to do that, once it's been decommissioned, council will come out and deregister the pool. Um, you need to demonstrate to the relevant council that it, it is no longer in use. Um, so that would mean, yep, you empty it out, get back in the concrete truck like a good Italian, mm-hmm. and, in you, in. and fill it in and put a big statue in the middle of it. Yep. Yeah. And um, water the statue you know, every <laughs> yeah, yeah. whenever. Yeah. So. Um, make the, make the <laughs> And so that, yeah, we all have a a wonderful uh, vegetable garden. If you can't prove to council that it's no longer in use, it'll remain registered with council until they're satisfied that the pool or spa can no longer hold 30 centimetres of water. Okay, so so would you need to, for instance, get an inspector out to prove that so they can take a photo, or Um, do you need to take a photo yourself? I I don't know, to tell the truth, but I'm assuming that uh, you'd have to notify council at some point, therefore they would probably then send out one of these surveyors to come and have a look, or an inspector that, um, you know... To make sure. Just to make sure and sign off on it because you need to prove to them. Just on that, I mean, people out there in consumer land, don't fill in your pools or spas. The amount of value it adds to family life, back real estate value, um, fitness, all these immeasurable other areas of a pool or spa that just are now starting to... Um, people are starting to realise, some people have probably known for a long time that swimming's good for you. Yes. Um, or that, you know, kids having fun instead of sitting on their computers yeah. um, is a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Although, I can see the value of having a nice good veggie patch with some good organic tomatoes and yeah. peppers. Yeah. <laughs> All good. I think Chris has given us some great advice and a much better understanding to know what to do with these new pool and spa regulations. There's only six weeks to go to get your pool and spa registered. So get onto registering your pool or spa with the council now before you get fined. I believe it's up to $652.20 for not complying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, if if you fail to lodge a certificate of barrier compliance by date specified, up to 1652.20. Yeah, yeah. So... Yes, it's definitely something you should do. It's oh, it's important anyway. Yeah, it is. You've got to do it. Yep. And, and, and the thing is, people already do it. I mean, yeah. we build a pool. There's yeah. a barrier around it. It's so as long as if you don't do it, the only step is now to register. register. Yep. And every four years, go get your pool, um, you know, get someone out to come and inspect it. Beautiful. Grants Fun Facts. According to Sports Australia and the AOAS, they collated data and created a list of the top 20 participated sports as at August 2019. Mm. Swimming actually ranks third behind walking at number one and fitness and gym at number two. To complete the list, we've got four, running, cycling, football, tennis, bushwalking, basketball, and then golf, that's that's the top ten. Number two, stats on the number of people who can and can't swim in Australia. In Australia, 5% of adults can't swim at the moment. And this is actually a very low percentage when compared to a lot of other countries. For example, uh, in the US, where only 56% of Americans can perform the five core swimming skills, according to... Uh, the Red Cross in America. That's so. a bit scary, isn't it? Uh, Over that's, there. That's, that, but that's a lot, lot of landlocked. Landlocked. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It is, as, yeah. as far as they go is Vegas. I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, Whereas uh, we don't have people living in the middle of Australia. Yeah. No, we're, we're a very water-based culture. Based culture, yeah. Mm. Uh, the oldest known swimming pool is in Pakistan. The world's oldest known swimming pool is called the Great Bath, located in, and I'll get this wrong, but Mahenjo-Daro in Pakistan, situated amongst the ruins of the ancient Indus Valley civilization. This pool is estimated to date all the way back to the third millennium BC. I think the Greeks and the Italians will uh, have something to say about that. Yeah, exactly. the largest swimming pool in the world is in Chile at the moment, in El Garota, the San Alfonso del Mar Resort, 
is home to the world's <laughs> largest swimming pool, a Guinness Book of World Records holder. The pool has an area of 19.77 acres and can hold 66 million gallons of water. Yeah, that's a lot of water. That's a lot of water. That's a big pool fence. <laughs> that's a big pool fence with a massive filter and about 50 pumps. But, yes. Uh, It'd still only be $34.70 to register. $31. $31.24. <laughs> All right, I thought this was cool. And with the new sharing economy kicking in, I noticed there is now also a new website called Swimply, spelt Swim P-L-Y. Keep away. Swimply. And it allows you to share in the use of your neighbour's pool, mm. as long as they're willing to hire it out. They can set an hourly rate and you can book to use a pool online when it's not in use. I love this idea myself, but online I see a lot of people aren't that keen on the concept. People are worried about getting hurt or drowning and what that would mean to their liability. Mm. So do you know so much they, about it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well... It'll be right on the agenda at the minute. So we had the, the Swimply marketing bloke come to our uh, pool and spa expo. Okay. Yeah. And um, so I raised a few uh, issues with him uh, around legality. Yeah. And, um, you know, I go, you need to get you know, a lot of that stuff right first. Yeah. Um, we don't support it as an industry. We yeah. don't support it for a couple of reasons. One is the legality around it. Two is it, um, you know, would it impact the industry or not? Perhaps. Then we find him uh, later on the day. The security had to uh, kick him out of uh, the the MSEC area um, at the front. We was handing out his little um, pamphlets to uh, consumers that were walking in. Oh, into MSEC. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unregistered, so, yeah, sort yeah. of, to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So well, no. Well, he was on the outside of yeah. MSEC, yeah. handing out these little flyers that said, "Hey, you know, you could to, to promote Swimplight, right?" Yeah. Anyway, outside of that. Um, I'm a pool owner, so all of a sudden I rent out my pool. Kid drowns, or someone falls and breaks their skull. Yeah. My insurance is going up. What happens in that scenario? I've got to live with that. Yeah. Now it's one thing being able to afford the insurance component. Mm. It's another thing looking at your pool every day, knowing that someone's drowned in it. And you didn't even know that person. And you didn't know that person. I think these, um, like all these things, there's always um, another side of the story. I'm sure there's um, a convenience factor with a lot of these disruptors that may may be good or may be beneficial to someone that just wants a pool for a a weekend. Uh, What if I want to use a pool for that weekend? Yeah. Yeah, It's 35 degrees, whatever. So people need to work around that. From what this person was telling me, they had like 15 people sign up in Victoria, which was nowhere yeah, enough. Yeah, I had know, a look. There's not many. There's not many. So, yeah. um, and, you know, quite frankly, I mean, there's so many public uh, swimming areas these mm. days, and they're wonderful aquatic centres. Not you, oh. not the old bars where me and you used to go yeah. 30, yeah. 40 years ago. Um, you know, they're, they're just wonderful facilities now. So if you're really desperate, you With just go With lifesavers and the works, yeah. They've got the works. They've got, you know, diving boards. You've got a whole range of very canteens. So you can actually yeah. have a great day on the lawn yeah. there. Um, so I'm not, I'm, you know, I, I don't know whether our culture will accept it, but like all these things, we'll keep an eye on it. Yeah. Um, we'll always raise the issue of um, safety, mm. legality, um, all these things, and that organisation would have to uh, work their way around that. Okay. Buy beware. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with Airbnb, they've got an insurance they'll cover. Like, they've got to get to that point That's before it's even going to be, yeah. gonna yeah. be yeah. a player, I don't yeah. think. You know, and they're not at that point at this stage. No, they're not. Yeah. Well, I mean, not, we already know with underwriters uh, in the surveying industry, industry for surveyors professional indemnity has just gone through the roof mm. you know, what's it going to mean if I'm renting out my backyard pool regularly yeah you know they've got to sort of somehow like you've just said grant um, they've got to nail that component first yeah um, before they take That'll any greater stride I think our culture's um, a little bit different um, in the sense that uh, we've got so many areas that we can swim at yeah um, you know, when it's a hot day, everyone goes down to the beach. Mm. Um, you know, families gather around our pool, for example. If you've got a pool, you know, your mates will come over or your yeah. brothers and sisters. And, hi, yeah. Grant, haven't seen you for six months, but it's a hot day. Yeah. <laughs> Let's eat yeah, your yeah. food and drink your beer and uh, swim in your pool. So, yeah. Um, yeah. anyway, um, yeah, it's an interesting it's development and we'll, and we'll keep monitoring it. I personally it. don't think yeah. it'll affect pool builders and things that much myself, but... Yeah. But Look, all these things, it's, it's novel, it's new, yeah. um, you know, convenient, we'll see. It'll be like those we'll O-bikes 
They'll come and go. Yeah, well, that's right. People had wonderful um, dreams. Well, they've come again the second time, I've oh, just heard. Third but time, um, yeah. just listening to Tom uh, Neil Mitchell on the way up, and uh, he just said it'll probably he'll give it 18 months before it uh, dies again. Dies again, yeah. Mm. Or yeah. more time, I'll have one of them too. But. Yes, all good. So, it's a quick quiz. Okay, Chris, what is your favourite type of water activity in Melbourne? to do? Drink. You're a drinker? I'm a drink water. Um, Favourite activity. That's not an activity. That was no good question. No, look, I just, I'm not a surfer, so I tried that. Just yeah. didn't work when I was younger. Couldn't, yeah. couldn't get the balance right on the board, but um, all my mates are. Um, oh, look, I just, just swimming. Swimming. You know, just general swimming. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not swimming for any particular purpose, but no. just generally splashing around. So, splashing around. Yeah. yeah. It's always good. It's probably the splash. majority Relax. of us. Yeah. I think you've already answered this one. Do you have a pool or spa? Yes, I've got a pool. I've got a great pool. It's 10 years old and it's yeah. still going strong. So That's so good. Staff. You yeah. had to clean it after the recent dust storms, which uh, took a while, but we yeah. got there. Do you have kids? Yeah, I've got three. Yep, yeah. they would love it. Yep. We, yeah. we grew up with a pool and I love it. We love yeah. it. Although the phones are starting to take over. Oh, yeah. Go for swim, kids. Uh, on their phone. Yeah. Yeah, they love it. I grew up with a pool. We, we were swimmers when we were kids, so... Yeah. Um, it's a good thing. Yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a good family. Yeah. A lot of that's coming back, you know, that, that social value that's intangible. You yeah. just had you put a price or value on having yeah. a great time for a couple of hours. Yeah. Without the electronic stuff and, um, you know, happy, smiley, fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, man, backyard cricket and pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it means a lot. That's means a lot. Means a lot. Healthy, healthy minds, healthy bodies. Yeah. Yep, 100%. So what's the best waterfront restaurant in Victoria? Oh, well, that's okay. So I've been to um, the one in Port Melbourne um, on the pier there. The I can't remember. Pier. Is that what it, well, okay, Yeah, Station Pier. Yeah. I'm not sure what it's called. I can't remember what it's called. There's another great pub called Doyle's um, down at Morty Alley. Yeah. And, you know, I've had, uh, I've had lunch there and I thought that was uh, really, really good. Yeah. Yep. yeah. It's a nice little atmosphere that, um, got the, the boats creek, there. Yeah, the, the creek, creek yeah. The, yeah. The, yeah. Meets the, um, the, the beach. Yeah, you know, if it, was, uh, it was good, you know. Yeah. Pity I don't live that far, so all that close to it, I could go yeah. a bit more regularly. But that was nice. It was nice, yeah. yeah. All good. Uh, what's the best pool facility in Melbourne that you've seen? So uh, Aquarina in um, Doncaster, Manningham. Yeah. yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, it's all mm. new, renovated, and yeah, yeah. looks great. Looks so, great. It's so got, do you have to go it's got and a see gymnasium. Um, not not necessarily. No, I've got a couple. I had a mate that was sort of involved in the aquatic recreation Victoria would say that he had. Um, he would tell me about some of the things that were going on in these bigger yeah. facilities, but um, that's a you know, wonderful facility. And that's what I'm getting back to earlier with yeah. Swimply and what's available to the public now. Councils are investing and private entities are investing, like Belgravia Leisure Group and uh, others in these facilities mm. um, to make them more than just... Yeah, they're pretty I mean, impressive. They're very impressive, yeah. You know, they're really, really well thought water, out. You know, it's almost water parks. Yeah, they are, they yeah, are. absolutely. You look at the one down Geelong on the way through to Geelong. Oh, yeah. the Adventure Park. Uh, the Adventure yeah. Park, oh, yeah. Oh, awesome, yeah. yeah. Down the big slide. Yeah. Um, so, in your opinion, is a glass or metal fence better for pool safety? Both do the same job. Yeah. We, I'd prefer glass just for the aesthetics of it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Good enough. Same here. So how old do you think children should be when they first get taught to swim? So our kids, we threw them in the water and let them swim. No, we threw them in the water at Aquarina yeah. at swim school when they were probably one or two or, you know, yeah. like babies, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I've won it. Mum sort of sits in the water and holds it as they're yeah. sort of getting used to the water and they yeah. could f- float so they had no fear of water. Yeah, yeah. And it's, um, it should almost be mandatory, shouldn't it? That they I just thought that that is manager. I mean, yeah. like what mum, it's what well, mum or dad, you know, it doesn't have to be mum, but yeah. uh, even grandma and grandpa sometimes, um, yeah. you know, get the kids, take them there, do their lesson. Yeah, um, yeah from so from the moment they can move they take around, them I think. About six months. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think, you know, that calling. Get age. past that, yeah. Yeah, they're Call. allowed to. Yep. You know, do lessons. Yeah, they get their little floaties and, and, yeah. and it's good, you know. They've got I nice structure. They've got good structured classes too, you know. Yeah. And uh, I think the important thing in 
getting them in early at that stage is that the fear of water just disappears. You know, mm. so they're confident yeah. while they're in. They're confident I'm going to make it to the edge. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how many adults you see who oh I don't want to go in that boat because I can't swim or mm. I don't want to get too close to the edge because mm. you know I'm worried they're going to fall in or something. Mm. And yeah, and as you said, it's confidence building that confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, number seven. What's better, swimming in a pool, a lake, or the sea? What's your favourite? I like the sea. Yeah, I like the sea. Yeah, I like the sea. Um, don't know why I like the sea, but I do like the sea. You yeah. know, I think it's just the salty bit of it, and yeah. um, just it's, it's you know get, getting a few, few waves. Try to body surf, you know, because I can't <laughs> get on a board properly. So, um, <laughs> um, no, I think the sea's um, for me anyway. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a seagull. I think it's because it's unlimited. Like, you, there's no. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. You know, and it's just uh, it revitalizes your body, yeah. your skin, and just yeah. everything. I just you know. It's good. Yeah. The, the salt's good for me. Yeah, That's it. definitely. Yeah. So, do you ever watch any swimming events? Oh, look, only when the Olympics come around. I'll yeah. watch. Um, I watch the main races and yeah. uh, you know cheer on the Aussies. So, do you have a favourite Australian swimmer? Um, look, I always was in, thought Ian Thorpe was fantastic, you know. Yeah. Um, so he was sort of, I wouldn't say my era, Shane Gould, I remember her uh, swimming too. No, you're not. Well, I'm going back now. You are I? going back. So, um, I remember her on Survivor. Kieran Perkins, he's yeah. the one. I think he I probably say, yeah, I think he yeah. was, um, you know, pretty cool. And um, yeah. so we had, we've had a lot of good swimmers, haven't we? We have, yeah. you think about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's hard to pick one. I'd probably say Kieran Perkins. Yeah, Kieran yeah, Perkins. Yeah, he's my favourite. And just for something different, mm. where is the best place in Victoria to go for a swim? Well, take your pick. So if you want the sea, probably um, one of the beaches along the peninsula there would be wonderful. Um, as a child, we used to go to uh, Alwood Beach, so yeah. um, Dad would jump and get, get us in the car and off we'd go. Yeah. Um, that was... That was good for those hot days. Day. That yeah. was uh, well when he when he felt like driving through the traffic and the heat and all the rest of it. Because <laughs> back then there was no air conditioning in the cars. No, no, yeah. no. If it's sea, I'd say the peninsula. Um, we're we're blessed in Victoria with coastline, so you can oh, go you know wherever you want to go. But I find those areas. Um, as far as uh, inland goes, if it's a public place, I'd have to say one of the aquatic centres. I know. Notice uh, Banyul. There's a new one out of Greensboro that looks pretty impressive. I don't know how new it is, but I remember going there many years ago when it was just a piece of grass and just one outdoor pool. Now it's a massive complex. So, again, you know, Aquarina, all these aquatic centres. There's a new one out at Oak Park, another massive aquatic centre so you can go and uh, which they've redeveloped and spent many millions on it. So uh, we're spoiled. Any of those would be good. Or Grant's awesome. Backyard Pool. Grant's Backyard? That's it. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, I, I have a preference. I like I'm a house up on Lake Gildan, so I like to go to Lake So we're all going day. on a holiday to Sue's house up at Lake Gildan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> We'd like to thank Chris Samartis from Sparzovic for coming in. Uh, it's an important message we wanted to get across here and I hope uh, our listeners will be proactive with their pools and spas over the next few weeks to be compliant. And next week we have Kate Yilot back from Strata Equity to talk to us about owners corporations and what to look out for when you're buying your new property. As with everything, there's the good, the bad and the ugly in owners corporations or body corporates as they were once known. So it's good to have an objective understanding of what you should be expecting thank you thank you very much for thanks coming. guys great yeah. great to talk great to chat real estate right is a real copyright and we shoot buildings production we would like to thank podbean for hosting our podcast audio stock for sound effects and premium beat for our theme music don't forget to like real estate right on facebook instagram or subscribe on your favorite podcast service Thanks for listening to Real Estate Right.